so it's elevated in the sense that there's not just one creator. There's 120 creators. There's 120 people collaborating on one film. Welcome to Push In, the Cinevic Podcast. I'm your host, Joyce Klein, coming to you from the unceded territory of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples, otherwise known as beautiful Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. When I interviewed experimental filmmaker Morgan Reese Tams last episode, we ran out of podcast time before I ran out of questions. The Push-In team and I all agreed that Morgan's innovative work in Elevated Cinema was worthy of a second episode. So here's my interview with Morgan Reese Tams, part two. Welcome to the brave new world of interactive documentary. Hi, Morgan. Welcome to Push In. Hi, Joyce. How are you doing? Scene one. Your work strikes me as quintessentially Canadian, not just because of the interest in process, which I've noticed in Canadian art in general. Killer's Crossing, for example, a Pacific Northwestern. That's exactly what it is, a rock and roll Western opera set in the Pacific Northwest. And hardly anything is more Canadian than the cross-country trip over the, you know, the endless thousands of miles of prairie uh, in um, Dear Mr. Dudley. Would you care to elaborate? Yeah, that's, that's challenging uh, for me to be perfectly honest because I, I definitely subscribe to the the notion that uh, we are settlers here on this land and we don't you know we are guests here and this isn't our land as settlers obviously this land belongs and it always has belonged to the indigenous people of this country and so the notion of canada is a very challenging one and i wrestled a lot with that with with the you know dear mr dudley it is very canadian the road trip and i i do lean into that but what i hope i'm doing with that film is unpacking a Canadian experience that isn't always discussed, and that's the ideas of, of displacement. You know, my father and I live 7,000 kilometers apart. The country was built on the displacement of Indigenous people. Families were separated and immigrated from Europe and elsewhere to build this country. Uh, laborers came all the way from China to build the railroad and all that stuff. And, th and so all that is to say that the history of Canada is one of distance and separation. And so that's really what I was trying to lean into with Dear Mr. Dudley and trying to get away from that classic Canadiana. But of course, there are so many fantastic Canadian road movies. Bruce McDonald's hardcore logo going down the road, the NFB in the 60s. And so there is a tradition there that I was very aware of and definitely had a nod to. Killer's Crossing is such an interesting one and in that I, you know, I grew up in Victoria and have always been connected to the landscape of the Pacific Northwest. And I wanted to do something. I, I've noticed that there's there's a lack in, in, in media of really celebrating the mood and the mist and the mystery of the forests here, or at least in work that I, I have seen. There may be good work out there and I just haven't seen it. And it was a bizarre genesis where friends and I had just finished acting in a production of Jesus Christ Superstar in Victoria, and this would have been in 2012 or so. And so we were pretty jazzed on this idea of the rock operas and how fun a rock opera could be. And we were sitting around one night and talking about, wow, what if we did like a rock opera in the woods, like some kind of Pacific Northwestern rock opera. And then as you do when you're spitballing with friends, it just kind of grows and grows into a Pacific Northwestern. What if we made a Pacific Northwestern? And like, what does that even mean? I don't know. We just made it up as we made the film, you know, but it was the, that thing where I wanted to lean into 
there's some history, there's some mythology, there's some magic all wrapped into the landscape of the Western rainforest, the BC rainforest. And so that's kind of what I was just playing around with in, in that film. Scene two. You wrote your MA thesis on interactive documentary. Isn't all documentary intrinsically interactive? No, I think a lot of documentary in the traditional sense of sitting down and watching a story move from A to B is not interactive. You are following the vision of a director or more importantly, an editor who is guiding you through the story, showing you what they want you to see, presenting you with information that they want you to know. The act of watching is inherently passive, I believe. And so the difference with an interactive documentary is that the viewer, or often termed the user, uh, is more in control of the experience. It's more of a collaborative process between the maker and the user. So, you know, in some cases, it might be a point and click where you're deciding who you want to hear from next or where you want to go in the case of something that's a web-based interactive documentary or uh, works that are in virtual reality or augmented reality you are in charge of where you want to look, what you want to engage with. So it's quite interesting in, in that at some point, the editor has to throw their hands up in the air and say, I can't control this anymore. You know, the user is in control, the viewer is in control. And that's the point that I find so fascinating. Filmmaking, so much of it is about control, controlling the lighting, controlling the sound, controlling the edit, the information you reveal, how you reveal it. That's good storytelling, right? And so with interactive works, the artist is letting go. And that's really hard for artists to do. And so that's why I find it so interesting. Scene three. In researching you, I also came across this phrase that you are interested in elevated cinema. I've never heard the term before. So please enlighten me. Yeah, I've, I think of elevated cinema as anything that takes the viewer out of a purely passive experience. For example, I did an animated piece in the community of Fernwood in Victoria, where we had something like 120 different artists all collaborating on a two-minute-long animation about Fernwood. And the way the viewer engages with this is there's a spot in Fernwood, not far from the Fernwood Square, where they can scan a QR code with their phone and watch this kind of secret embedded short animated film about the Fernwood neighborhood. And so, you know, the, the viewer then is participating in a way where they're seeking this out. They're actually in that place. They're in the heart of Fernwood and Fernwood Square, watching this beautiful, deranged, colorful animation about the neighborhood. But also it's elevated in the sense that there's not just one creator. There's 120 creators. There's 120 people collaborating on one film, which I think is fantastic. And these were senior citizens. These were kids younger than three years old and everything in between all kinds of media, experts, novices, you name it. And so elevated in that sense. Other works that I did that I consider elevated cinema would be sort of hybrid installation, sort of sculptural installation or video work. I did a piece in Iceland uh, a number of years ago in a small town called Skagastrand, where in exploring the town, you may come upon hidden QR codes mounted on aluminum plates. So they're weather resistant, they're embedded to pieces of the landscape, areas of the town that were aesthetically beautiful, but also kind of run down and forgotten. And so what would happen is 
If you came upon one of these, you could scan it with your phone and you'd be presented with a map of the town that would show you other locations where you could engage with these pieces of art. And what these pieces of art were, were animations that I did, physical animations on the space. So for example, you might have an old warehouse and on your phone, you would see the warehouse and an animation of a raven flying across the side of the warehouse. And what I did for that is those animations were done in real time where I filmed a raven, printed out those individual frames at 12 frames a second, as is per standard for animation. So I had actual photocopies that I printed out on a photocopier of a raven in flight. And I cut them all out and I animated them on the side of the building, you know, put one picture up, take a photograph, put the next one up, take a photograph. And so when you played back, the raven is actually flying across that building. And so those kinds of experiences allow the audience to explore these towns, but also see certain parts of the landscape through my eyes uh, as an artist. And so I think that, again, it's the audience not being wholly passive, but they are participating in the artwork. Tail Slate. Wow, well, thanks, Morgan. Your work is super interesting, and we're grateful that you were able to share with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Joyce. It's been really nice to be here and to be able to talk about some of my work. And that's a wrap. You can find links to Morgan, Killer's Crossing, and Dear Mr. Dudley in the show notes. And you can help promote the talented filmmakers we feature by liking, subscribing, or five-star rating us so others can find their interviews more easily. That's it for now. Join me, your host, Joyce Klein, for the next episode of Push In, the Cinevic Podcast.